This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. So as we continue the series on temple builders, today we are going to see another temple builder who was not just an ordinary temple builder, but instead God used this man of God to build the spiritual lives of the people of God. God's temple is not always, or the church is always not the building what we see. The buildings can be a tall building. The building can be a big, huge building. But temple of God is not just the building or just the people who are gathering. It is also the spiritual level of the people of God who are serving the Lord. You know, most of the time God is not really worried about the number. God is worried about how spiritual we are. How truthful we are, how faithful we are to the word of God and to the truth that we know. So God's temple is also building spiritually people around us. So this man's name is Ezra. Ezra was a man used by God to build the spiritual lives of people in the temple of God. If you remember the story, children of Israel, they returned back to their native land from exile. And once they came back, they were establishing themselves in their native land. And God was sending prophets and God was sending anointed people of God to minister to them. And Ezra was one such man sent by God to build up their spiritual lives as they were started living their lives back in Jerusalem after a long time of exile in Babylon. Now I want to quickly take you through the history from the books of from the chapters of the book of Ezra and also some of some other sources of information from the history. So as we know, the first batch of the exile, they returned to Babylon under the leadership of Zerubbabel. And soon after, after their return, if you remember, as we spoke the last few weeks, they started building the temple of God. They were all busy involving themselves in the construction of the temple of God as commanded by King Cyrus. Now the temple of God was reconstructed and the sacrifices were going on in the temple of God. This temple of God, everything started at the, on the sixth year of King Darius. Now almost 80 years since the first return under the leadership of Zerubbabel, After 80 long years, God made Ezra to lead another group of Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem. So in a way we can say that as Zerubbabel was leading the first group of the people of God from Babylon to Jerusalem. Now here we see Ezra leading the second batch, second group of people of God from from Babylon to Jerusalem. Ezra was a scribe. And he was also a priest. And here we see the Persian king, Ardaxerxes. So he is enabling Ezra, to, and he was empowering Ezra to lead the children of God back into Jerusalem. We read that in the book of Ezra. So let's read some of the scriptures. 
as we introduce this man of God. Ezra chapter 7. Let's read uh, verses 6 to 12. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethinims came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of king at the Sersus. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. Now here we see King Abdesarchus, he was enabling this man of God to go back to Jerusalem. Ezra was a scribe. He was also a descendant of the priestly family of Aaron. The Talmud, or the collection of Jewish law and the traditions, they say, if Torah was not given through Moses, Probably Torah would have been given to the children of Israel through this man, Ezra. So you can imagine Ezra was someone who is equivalent to Aaron or even Moses. He was such a great man of God. We are going to see that in a moment, how God used this man to bring the children of Israel and also to build their spiritual lives in the, according to the word of God. Ezra, he devoted himself completely to study the word of God and to follow the word of God, and to teach the word of God to the children of Israel. We read that in, this, in the same chapter, Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Word of God says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. God prepared, and also this man of God, he prepared his mind to seek the law of God, and to do the law of God, and also to teach the law of God. King Ardhasarchus ordered his treasuries, treasurers to provide whatever this man asked, in order to bring the treasures back into Jerusalem, and to build and continue the work of God. We can read that in Ezra chapter 7, the same chapter, verses 21 to 22. And I, even success, the king, issue a decree to all the treasurers who are in the region beyond the river that whatever Ezra, the priest, the scribe of the law of the Lord of heaven, may require of you, let it be done diligently. So king was telling the treasurers, give him whatever he needs because he has to go and continue the work of God in his native land. And also see before he starting his trip back to Jerusalem, Ezra proclaimed a fast. He made every one of the children of Israel to fast and pray. As they were returning from their exile, they were asking God, may God may protect their journey back to Jerusalem. In those days, the travel from Babylon to Jerusalem, it takes months together. They need to travel through the wilderness. And most of the time, the wilderness was not safe for them. There were bandits and there were thieves and robbers and everything was going on in, in the, as they traveled towards Jerusalem. The king came to Ezra and he asked him that I will send, your, send my soldiers with you. 
I will send my military men with you. But you know what Ezra said? He rejected the offer of the king and he said, The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who seeks him. God is going to be with us. We don't need any of your protection. Here we see Ezra, Ezra rejecting the protection that was offered by the king as he was depending on the protection and safety of God Almighty. We read that in Ezra chapter 8 verses 21 to 23. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek for him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying the hand of our God is upon all of those who seek him but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. Ezra was continually depending on the protection that God Almighty can give him and he asked everyone to come together in prayer and fasting so that God's protection will be upon him. Now when Ezra arrived at the land of Israel. So I'm just giving a brief a summary of the history, what really went there, happened there. Now Ezra, when, did, when he arrived at the land of Israel, he knew that 80 years before, Zerubbabel brought the children of Israel and they started building and in fact the building of the temple was done and the temple service is going on. Now Ezra is coming back to Jerusalem as part of the second exile with a great expectation in his mind. Now when he came, he found out that Jewish community was totally broken down spiritually. Some of the traditional sources, they give us information there that there was, in fact, Bible talks about it, there was great amount of intermarriages were going on during the last 80 years. In fact, some of the sources, they mentioned that 85 to 90 percentage of the people of God, they already got married to someone who was already living on this earth. The situation was so bad in the land of God. Even the children of the high priest, they, their sons, they married the non-Jewish women. You know, it was such a great abomination for any Jew to get out of their tradition and go and marry someone who was not a Jew. But when Ezra came there, he saw the spiritual condition of the people of God were so bad that the enemy brought the world into the church, into the temple of God. And there was mixing of everything was going on in the temple of God. Ezra also saw another things. Ezra started seeing the Jewish of that nation, of that time. They were warning businesses. Especially they were having markets and shops on the day. And Ezra came and found out that these shops were kept open on the Sabbath day. All the non-Jewish people, they come to the city on the Sabbath day. Where with the Jewish, they were having their shops kept open. And nobody was going to the temple of God. And they were having business on the Sabbath day. 
And even some of the recordings, they mentioned that they, when Ezra, was, Ezra asked some of the high priests, what is really going on? Why there is Sabbath day? People are neglecting the Sabbath day. And the high priests were telling that even they could find some of the loopholes in the scriptures for not going to the temple of God on the Sabbath day. Isn't it something we see even today? When people, we ask them, why you are not coming, on, uh, coming to the church on Sunday? You know, they, have, they come out with a reason and an excuse saying that, oh, even by gives us the freedom to worship anywhere we don't need to come together in the name of the Lord we find loopholes even in the word of God for not going to church on Sundays even those people those they were living at that time they had such a loopholes they could find and they were mentioning that to Ezra Ezra was totally broken down by seeing all those things that were going on in the land of God for Israel, I believe it was something like when Moses coming down from Mount Sinai and with the, tab- with the tablets of Ten Commandments in his hand and he came down and the moment he came down he saw the golden calf. People were worshipping the, worshipping the idol there. It was something similar to Ezra. Ezra came as part of the second exile to the land of God and with a great expectation of seeing worship and temple services going on. But here he couldn't find any of such things. And Ezra also dealt with many of the political issues of that day because Samaritans were living there as neighbors. They were continually troubling the work of God. They were always opposing the work of God. This man of God came as part of the second exile to the land of God. He arrived at the right time in the land of God. He looked at the newly established Jewish community and he found out that they were physically threatened by their enemies. So they were all depressed. They were all very slow, very dull. And he saw intermarriages everywhere. And he also saw the Sabbath being desecrated by the people of God. Now this man of God, he had a great zeal because he was a scribe and he was a priest and he has studied the word of God. He had devoted himself to study the word of God. One author records, he says, Ezra was one among the three key individuals, the leaders, they left Babylon as they were leading the children of God. Zerubbabel, he came to reconstruct the temple of God. Nehemiah, he came to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Now we talk about Ezra, he came to restore the worship in the temple of God. Because there was no worship going on in the temple of God. Nobody was seeking God. Sabbath was almost forgotten by people of God. Now Ezra was brought into the right time to make, to restore the worship that's supposed to go on in the temple of God. Quickly, we are going to see four different characteristics of this man of God. Number one, Ezra was a man of God who sought, who followed, who taught the word of God. Let's read the scripture again, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Number one, to seek the law of the Lord. Number two, to do the work of God according to the word of God. To do it, to obey. And number three, to teach the word of God. I believe he is one such rare individuals that we can find today in the Christian world. Not many are seeking. Not many are doing what the scripture says. Not many are preaching what the scripture says. He is an unique individual 
who seek the law of God, that means he study the word of God, and he do according to the word of God, and he also teach others according to the word of God. Seeking, doing, and teaching was found in this man of God by name Ezra. We are talking about Ezra, another temple builder. First of all, what he did, he sought the law of the Lord. He studied the word of God. Psalm 10945, word of God says, And I will walk all at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I seek your precepts. Man of God is saying that I seek the word of God. I try to find and try to read. I try to meditate. I search the word of God. Isaiah 34 verse 16, word of God says, Search from the book of the Lord. God is asking us to search from the book of the Lord. You know, today, there are people on this world, they have questions. Why do we need to go to Bible study? Why do we need to study the scriptures? Is it not enough that we know? Is it not enough? Some of the concepts around us, if you study more, study the word of God, it's chance, very you know, good, great chances that we may deviate from the word of God. That's not true. God is asking us to search. God is asking us to use all the tools available. There are different tools. There are commentaries available. There are, there are Bibles available online. We can search the word of God. God is asking us to search from the book of the Lord and read. And Isaiah 34, 16 says, Not one of these shall fail. Not one of these scriptures shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate. None of the scriptures are just hanging there, standing individually, standing all alone. Always there is a, another scripture support in support of another scripture, one scripture. Not one shall lack her mate, for my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. God spoke. It fell everywhere. And the Spirit of God gathered everything and put that in the book of God, in the word of God and given to us as a word of God. Ezra was a man of God. He was seeking and studying the word of God. We need to study the scripture. Secondly, he was a man of God. He was doing as he sought, as he studied. He followed and he obeyed the word of God. You know, Bible cannot be read really like a fiction or like a novel. Or like a biography. Bible need to be read as the word of God written, given by God. God's word or God's instruction written in the form of words that we can understand. Bible need to be read for instruction. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Scripture is the one that is our guide that helps us to understand and get, gives us instruction that the, the way we need to walk today. In 2 Timothy, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Ezra, he read the word of God. He understood they are the instruction of God. He took it personally to him. You know, many times when we read the word of God, we go over the scriptures and we think that they are all given maybe for somebody else. Maybe for someone else. Maybe for someone else who is not maybe living according to the word of God. We seldom take the scriptures as if it is written to me. To me directly. And God wants us to personalize the scriptures. God wants us to say, this is my word, this word speaks to me. 
This word of God quickens me. This God of, word of God revives me. I, I would have done that mistake. But this word of God came on my mind at that moment. That spoke to me. And today I am able to protect my life. Thirdly, Ezra was teaching the word of God. Ezra, scripture says in 7.10, He prepared in his heart to seek and to obey and to teach. He was ready. He was prepared in his heart to teach the word of God. 2 Timothy 4.2, scripture says, Paul writes again to Timothy, encouraging him. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. God expects us to teach the word of God. Today we may have many excuses for not teaching the word of God. But God expects us to teach the word of God. God wants us to teach the word of God to others. God wants us to take the scriptures and show it to somebody that who is going through difficulty in their lives. And the scriptures, the word of God can set them free from the, from the situation that they are living and God expects us to teach the word of God. Teaching the word of God is an important work that God wants every one of us to do it. It's not just only for those who are called to teach. Teaching the word of God. Every one of us are called because God called us as believers in the word of God. He also commands us to teach the word of God. When we teach the word of God, it touches somebody. When we teach the word of God, it brings great blessing into someone's life. That gives us great joy. That gives us great satisfaction of doing the work of God. Preaching the word of God is a mandate on everybody. You know, some of us may not have a big group to teach. Some of us have our children to teach the word of God. Some of us have, we can teach to each other, husband and wife. We can sit and take a scripture and try to teach with, with each other. Ezra was a man of God. He was... Seeking the word of God, following the word of God, and he was also teaching the word of God. Secondly, Ezra knew the power of fasting. Ezra knew the power of fasting. We read that again as we read in chapter 8, verses 21 to 23. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves. Ezra declared the fast there. He made people to humble themselves before God, to seek for, from him, the right way for us and our children, once childhood, little ones, and all our possessions. He was seeking God that we may take the right way. We may be protected on our way. We may right, take the right route to enter into the blessed land. He was making people to fast. And verse 22 says, For I was ashamed to request of king and escort or of soldier or horseman to help us against the enemy on the road. Because we had spoken to the king saying, The hand of our God shall be upon us. Israel already told the king, I, know the, I don't need your protection because God Almighty is protecting me. But you know what? Telling that to the king was not enough. He would have told the king that God Almighty is with me. But you know what? He didn't stop there. He came and proclaimed a fast saying that you need to fast and pray. Then only the protection of God will come upon us. Fasting and prayer are essential for God's protection to our family. Fasting and prayer are essential for God to protect our children. Fasting and prayer are essential for God to save us from the destruction, from the things that the enemy is bringing on our way. You know, sometimes 
We speak the word of faith. That's very good. That's very important. But that's not enough at times. We need to speak the word of faith. The word has its inherent power to bring things into existence even though they don't exist. But here look at the man of God. He could have told the king that God will protect me. But then he was not keeping quiet. He was asking everybody to fast and pray. That I told this to the king. Let me not be ashamed in front of the king. Fasting is essential. Fasting supports our words. Fasting supports our faith. It increases our faith. The word which we are spoken, the word has to do the purpose for which it is sent. That for purpose, that word need to be backed up with fasting and prayer. If you remember, when the father, when the father brought the son with epilepsy to Jesus, or in fact to his disciples, that was a deadly disease. That boy was pushed into the fire and thrown into the water and he couldn't live a normal life. The father was so disappointed. He brought his own son to the disciples and disciples prayed for him. And did the disease go away? No, the disease didn't go away. He was continually having the problem. Now the father decided, okay, let me take him to Jesus. They took him to Jesus and Jesus cast the demon out and now later when the disciples came and asked Jesus we prayed for him he was not healed Lord God why that happened Jesus gave two answers in Matthew we read that in Matthew 20 21 number one answer he said because of your unbelief because of your unbelief that sickness didn't go away you need to have as faith as little as the mustard seed that's first instruction. And secondly, Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. They had faith. That is true. They had a little mustard seed of faith. That was true. That is enough to move the mountains. But then that disease go, didn't go. That disease didn't disappear. Why? Jesus said, this kind will not go. Unless you fast and pray. Israel knew the power of fasting. Has something not happened in our life yet? We need to try fasting and prayer. It is very good to bring fasting and prayer in our lives as part of our life. As a discipline in our life. Fasting brings safety. Fasting brings quick answer from God. You know, remember Daniel when he started praying? The scripture says the moment he started praying... The answer was given from heaven. God gave the answer. But who was standing in between? The answer was not reaching Daniel because scripture says the prince of Persia was standing. The devil was standing in between. Not allowing God, not allowing the answer to reach Daniel. And Daniel was fasting and praying for 21 days, 21 long days. And scripture says God sent his angel Michael to fight against the demon so that the answer may be received by Daniel. You know there are situations in our life we are not able to get the answer from God because there is someone else standing in between. He is preventing the blessing in our lives and God is expecting us to fast and pray. To fast and pray. If something needs to be done in our lives. Sometimes it may not be enough if you fast one time. Sometimes it may not be enough if you fast two days, one days, maybe three days. We need to fast. Jesus, before he started his ministry, he fasted for 40 long days. If not, 
Probably none of the miracles would have happened. It was so true that he was son of God. He was sent with the purpose by God the Father. But this man of God, when he was born as a man on this earth, he had to go through that fasting. He had to fast to prepare himself for just a short period of ministry in his life. And how much more you and I need to do for some of the things that are not happening in our lives. Ezra was was a man of God. He knew the power of fasting. Thirdly, Ezra really couldn't go along what was really happening on that day. He couldn't just get along with what was going on there. Verse 9, chapter 9 says from verses 1 to 3 if you read. You know that happens even to our lives. Sometimes we couldn't really go along with what is going on in some places. But sometimes we, we as children of God, you know, we, we appear to be a little strange too. When the whole world is going in one direction, we just want to turn away from the other, from, from the people and we just want to do something else. People at times even look at us, oh, what happened to they are maybe religious fanatics, you know, they are they really don't know how to go with the stream. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Don't resist. Don't stand against. You know, that's the kind of instruction we hear in every organization in, the, in, the, in this world. But Yesra couldn't handle it. Let's read verses 1 to 3. When these things were done, the leaders came to me, saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands. With respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites and Jebusites and Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass. So when I heard this thing Ezra says when he heard this that the holy seed got mixed up in the land with the people of the land. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe and plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. When Ezra heard that God's children are mixing with the world, he couldn't accept what was going on there. In ancient days, cloth was something that is valuable. The robes and the garments were something that was really precious. Because if you remember, if, as we know, clothes were not mass produced like, like it is done now, nowadays. It was very precious. They just hold on to that until the, their lifetime. Now if someone is tearing their cloth, ripping off their clothes, that shows the deep grief or sadness in their lives. If someone is Plucking out their hair. Can you imagine ever pluck out your hair? And especially when you have beard and you try to pluck out your hair, it's so painful. If somebody is plucking out their hair, that simply means there is something else which is more painful that is going on than just plucking out their hairs. Here we see man of God. He listened to the things what are going on in the city. Among the children of God, the Jewish mixing up with the world. The seed, holy seed mixing up with the world. The moment he heard... He couldn't handle that. He couldn't handle it. He tore his garment and he plucked out some of his hairs. Ezra came back from captivity in, from Babylon 
expecting the people of God, serving the Lord in the land. He came with a gladness. I'm going back to my land. I'm going to back, going back to the temple of God where people of God are already serving the Lord. The celebration, the service and worship is going on. And when he came here, he just found the opposite. He got frustrated. He got frustrated and he was so sorrowful in his heart. His heart really ached for seeing what was going on there. You know, God's own children were marrying ungodly wives and husbands. No one is there observing Sabbath. They were all in their own business on that day. The law of God is no more taught in the temple of God. Children of God, they were, not, they were all taking part in the abomination that was going on in the land. God's commandments are broken and nobody is following the law. When Israel heard all these things, he did not continue to go into the temple of God, to continue with the rituals in the temple of God. He stopped everything. He stopped everything. Let's continue to read that. Ezra chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting. The whole day he was fasting. And having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord of my God. And I said, Oh my God, I am too, ash I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you my God. He was standing between the people of the land, people of God and God Almighty. And he is totally ashamed to look God's face and he is telling, Lord, I am even ashamed that my people were not like this when they were in Babylon. When they were under the subjection of the, of the Babylonians, they were not such a behaving in that way. Even though they were oppressed, but there were a group of people always seeking God. God, you remember Daniel. God, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How faithful they were even unto death. But Lord, I am totally ashamed even to look into your face. And I said, oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen, risen against higher than our heads. And our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Fourthly, Ezra was leading people towards confession and separation. Let's go further to Ezra chapter 10. Read verse 1. Now while Ezra was praying, and while he was confessing, weeping, and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel. For the people wept very bitterly. Ezra, when he saw all these things going on, he was not coming in his priestly robe and getting into the temple to do the rituals of the temple of God. No, he was not prepared for that. Ezra was praying, confessing and weeping and bowing down and rending his garments, even plucking out his hairs. And he was spreading out his hands towards heaven and crying out to God. You know, I looked at him, this man of God, as a model for leadership. As a model for leadership. Ezra did not sin. Ezra did not sin. He didn't transgress the law. But he was interceding for people who already sinned. Who already mixed up the holy seed with the things of the world. Look at the leadership today. Just want you to turn your eyes to look at the leadership today. How many of our leaders, they pray today? How many of them confess? How many of them confess their sins to God before encouraging people to confess their sins? 
Today's spiritual leadership either enjoys the world bits, little bit, here and there. Because they cannot afford to go deep into the sin, so they just stand in the superficial, in the surface level. Go here and there, little bit of experience and enjoy the world so that they can continue. Or the leadership is so busy with their own business. Only on the Sabbath day they appear in front of people, but the rest of the time they are busy looking at their own business. Maybe the business of ministry, running the ministry, going behind all these things, organizing this, so many events and functions. The leadership is so busy. Or the leadership at times even they live a life of righteousness. They call themselves, they are the chosen one and they separate themselves from the rest. And they say that they are the perfect one. They go to heaven, only they go to heaven. Have you not come across such groups, such leaderships, such temp- church- churches? They say that we only we belong to church of, to, the, to, to heaven. Only we go to heaven. They don't even respect even other people, the fellow believers and the fellow churches. Our leaders are already burnt out. They are so discouraged. They are almost at the verge of quitting. Today that's how we see our leadership. This man was a model of a leadership. He was standing between people and God. And he was crying out. He was weeping. And he was just fasting and lying down on the floor. In front of the people. Not for his own sin. But for the sin of the people. We need to ask the question. Where are the Ezra's like leaders today? Those who would vehemently weep. For the transgression. That is going on today on this land. By observing what Ezra was doing, scripture says, men and women, let's read that again. Now while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women and children gathered to him. When he was doing all these things, he was setting up a good model there. We see people who are living in sin, people who got married to non-Jewish people, Children, they all gathered him from Israel for the people wept bitterly. This man of God lying at the altar and crying out to God. And the moment people saw this, they all came rushing there. They started weeping. They started weeping. They came forward and confessed to Ezra. Verse 2. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, we have trespassed against our God and have and taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. They were coming forward and they were confessing to Ezra. And now they are going to make a covenant. We read that in verse 3. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them. They are making a covenant. Anything that was brought into their lives, which is ungodly, they are willing to throw them away. It doesn't matter whether it's wife or children, they are ready to throw them away because that, doesn't, that doesn't belong to God. According to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. So when this man of God, leadership took that initiative there, we see the people of God following the leader. And they are saying, they are confessing. And they were making covenant with God. Unless the spiritual leadership gets onto their knees, there will not be salvation of souls today. And we are living in a days 
where God is expecting us, each and every one of us, to set an example. Now look, let's look at the boldness of this man of God before we close. Verse 10, chapter 10, Ezra. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have transgressed and have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Who can preach such a message today to this world? Not everybody. Not everybody. Only those who do things according to verse 1. Only those who pray to God, confess their sins, weep and fall down in fasting and prayer at the feet of God. Only they are given the boldness of preaching such a word of God. Ezra stood up and said, you have transgressed and given and taken pagan wives and adding guilt to Israel. He said very clearly, you brought shame to the holy seed. You brought blemish on the holy seed. You did that. He got such a great courage to preach the word of God on that day. Now Ezra was doing something similar to Peter was preaching. If you remember on the first sermon Peter ever preached. In Acts chapter 2 verse 40 we read this. At the end of his sermon he looked at them and he said and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse, wicked, crooked or corrupt generation. Be saved from this corrupt generation. Peter was preaching that boldly something similar to what Ezra is doing here. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2 we read Paul is writing here saying do not be conformed with this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has called us not to just go along with this world. God has called us not to do what the world is doing. God has called us not to enjoy the world the way the world is experiencing and enjoying this world. God has called us not to be conformed with the world. Jesus, when he left from his, about to leave his, from, from, this, from this world, he prayed for his disciples. And he said something like this in John 17, 16, as he says, Lord God, I don't belong to this world. I'm not of this world. They are also not of this world. Just I am not of this world. Today you and I, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. Ezra was making it very clear on that day. He was telling the people of God that you don't belong to this world. You need to separate yourself from the people of this land. You need to separate yourself from the land, from the people of this land. When Paul writes to Corinthians, he writes in 2 Corinthians 6.17, he cries out saying that in the beginning of the chapter, Oh Corinthians! And he says, come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will receive you. Even today, God is telling us to separate from the things that is going on in this world. God wanted children of Israel to come to the land of Israel. Not to get mixed up with the pagan kingdom. The pagan practice that was going on on that day. Not to get to be mixed up with the pagan people living on this earth on that day. I believe that is the same call on church today. You and I are called not to get mixed up with the world, but to live separately. That doesn't mean that we should not love them, we should love them. But as Paul writes, what the darkness has with the light, what the light has with the darkness, we don't have any communion with them, we don't have any fellowship with them. 
God is calling the church today into this separation. Finally, as we saw, this man of God, he was leading the people of God towards confession. And also he was preparing them to live a separated life. God expects the church not to get buried into the darkness of this world. God wants the church to be a lighthouse. God wants the church to continue to shine the light into this dark generation. That's the call of God in every one of our lives. So as we close, seeing the life of this man of God, Ezra was a man who studied the law of God, who followed the law of God, who preached the word of God. Ezra knew the power of fasting and he gained victory by praying and fasting. Yes, Ezra, he didn't give up. He was continuing. He was going on and on in the mission that God has given to him. He, didn't, he, he did not go along with the majority to accomplish the task of God. He was standing as a separate man of God called to walk in the holiness. And he was calling the children of Israel and educating them, teaching them and instructing them to walk in that holiness. Today, Holy Spirit is doing that with us. He is asking, he is instructing us to walk, continue to walk in that holy, holiness that God wants us to walk in. Ezra was setting up a model. He was just falling before God and he was confessing in front of God and the people, the rest of the people, they just followed the leader. He preached the separation that they need to have as they live in the land where there's so much of corruption is going on. Today, that's what God expects in our lives. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.